Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting live from inside Renaissance Bank on uh, Windward Parkway in beautiful Alpharetta. Uh, Folks, we're broadcasting from the best bank in Georgia, as voted by Forbes magazine. And I think the reason Renaissance has that distinction is because they are big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them with your business, but they're small enough to do it in a personal way. And that's a magic combination that gets them a lot of uh, kudos, a lot of rewards. And uh, so if you're looking for a bank like that for your business, go to renaissancebank.com to learn more, find their local office, to be in touch, and I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. Now I want to welcome Diane Weinberg, and Diane is with Weinberg Elder Law. Diane, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. You know, i got to tell everybody, Diane was asking if we edit before the show for for her messing up and I've already messed up. So I don't know what, why you were asking that question of me, Diane. Well, I was, see, <laughs> thank you for getting it started for me. I appreciate it. Okay. Now I'm really comfortable. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, let's get to the important uh, matters at hand, which are you and wh- how you're serving the market out there. What Tell us about your law practice. Sure. My name is Diane Weinberg and I'm the principal with Weinberg Elder Law. And as the name implies, I'm an elder law attorney. And the focus of my practice though is on elder law related litigation. Specifically, I do a lot of work with guardianship and conservatorship. People ask me what that is. And I can now say, you've heard of Free Britney. That's what I do. Free (laughs) Britney on all sides of, of that type of litigation. Right, right. For the three people that don't know about Free Britney... There's about three or four of them. Tell tell everyone who you're talking about and what's going on with that situation and what makes that illustrative of your work. Sure. So you may be familiar with the pop singer Britney Spears. Um, She had a very public breakdown about 15 years ago. And as a result of that breakdown, she found herself in a conservatorship in California. Now, guardianship and conservatorship, the the names are used differently from state to state, so I apologize for any confusion that it causes. But really, these are legal processes where somebody's fundamental rights are removed from them by the court. It's a process where the court will say, you can no longer make consent for medical medical procedures. You can no longer uh, decide where to live. You can no longer sign a contract because you don't understand what that means. You don't understand the implications of signing a contract. These are really fundamental rights. And this is something that courts take very seriously. So my involvement now is primarily in protecting people's rights on all sides. I represent family members who are seeking to become guardians or conservators over their, over their family members. I represent people who are in a guardianship and conservatorship and who don't believe they should be. Um, and then I get involved with all kinds of steps in the processes as, as well, because uh, guardianships and conservatorships and rightfully so, they're subject to a lot of court oversight. Mm-hmm. And so I'll help family, I'll help the guardians and conservators as well as the wards. Um, and that the ward is a term for somebody under a guardianship or conservatorship. Um, and I work with all the parties to make sure that everyone's rights are protected. Got it. Um, so talk about how this happens. I mean, what, what are the circumstances 
under which this happens. You, you mentioned Britney Spears had a breakdown. I mean, right. you're referring to a mental illness, some sort of mental illness, yeah. I, I assume. So let's talk about why these things happen. Sure. Um, and there can be a number of causes. Again, Britney Spears had this very public mental health breakdown where it became clear and, and apparently clear to the court, not just to the public. We only get to see a certain sure. amount of this. Right. But um, it became clear she couldn't manage her finances. She couldn't manage her day-to-day decisions. Um, and so the court removed those rights from her and gave them to a third party, in this case, her father, Jamie Spears, as well as to a Miss Montgomery, whose first name escapes me right now, but she was also part of the conservatorship in, in California. And so what will happen is frequently we'll see this with somebody who's got dementia um, and maybe they haven't done any planning during their life, so they don't have any powers of attorney or for family members or other friends to act on their behalf. Sometimes we have um, somebody who's got a developmental or intellectual disability, and they're never going to have that ability to mm-hmm. make decisions on their behalf because they are so severely impaired. And these are situations, again, where we go to court, the court will, uh, upon a finding that these person not just make bad decisions, we all get to make bad decisions. Ask my kids. I make 100 bad decisions a day, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's the inability to take that information in and process it and come out with the decision. All right. And so the court will understand that, that the person is lacking that capacity and remove certain rights. Not all of our rights are removed, just certain rights and give it to a third party to act on behalf with respect to those uh, certain rights that are removed. You mentioned that the court takes these matters very seriously. And I I guess what you're really referring there to is the, taking away of rights for whatever reason it yeah. may it may be a good reason but that's something that courts take a while to figure out and with due deliberation and with experts testifying right well not always in, in georgia you don't always need an expert to testify and, okay. and, and i'll explain why and it makes sense why not but mm-hmm. courts I mean, my husband actually at one point we were talking about this and he i think he explained this really well his comment was well if you go to if you go to pre- to gyp- to prison, okay, and you have rights taken away from you, what are those rights? Your rights to move around, you may lose your right to vote for a period of time, but you have to do it with a um, beyond a reasonable doubt, right? There has to be some kind of finding. For a lower standard, a court can take a probate court can take away your more fundamental rights. Your right to get married can be removed. Your right to to sue people, your right to manage your finances, to sell and acquire property, all of those very fundamental rights can be taken away from you. And the courts are very serious about that. They're very concerned. I think we've also heard a lot in the news there was a movie um, a very popular movie, Because I Care, that just came out, again, that talked about a very abusive guardianship and conservatorship situation. And that was actually based on a real story. Mm. Courts don't want to take people's take people's rights away and leave them in a uh, chain to a radiator with unable, uh, unable to access help, which mm-hmm. unfortunately that does happen. So yes, courts do take this very seriously and I think they take the responsibility of who is going to assume care or or the decision-making responsibility on behalf of a ward is something they give a lot of consideration to as well. These are all very important issues, and no one should take them lightly. Now, you mentioned the terms guardianship and conservatorship. 
do we need to know the the difference between those two things, yes. or is that is that um, when, when we walk in the door, your door, or is that something you you give us guidance on? We will give you guidance on that. Okay. And actually, and what makes it really fun is that it varies from state to state. Oh, lovely! I know exactly. Just yeah. to confuse people, right? But really, there are two types of fiduciaries, and fiduciary is somebody who owes a duty to another person. Mm-hmm. So when your rights are removed, you have rights that are personal rights. And you have rights that are financial rights, okay? The rights that are personal, medical care, uh, residence, where you're going to live, the right to marry. Those are all rights that are taken away by, in Georgia, the term is guardian. But in other states, you may hear a guardian or conservator of the person. That's Mm. what you're looking for, those personal rights. And then financial rights, in Georgia, again, the term is conservatorship. In other jurisdictions, you're going to hear a conservator or a guardian of the property versus the person. So does that distinction make sense? And you just gotta, no. you've just got to see where you are in California, California, the and I've again, looking at the Britney Spears issue, um, California conservatorships are, does, uh, the term designates somebody who's over the age of 18, but a guardianship is designated for somebody who's a minor. So you'll have a conservator of the person and a conservator of the property, and then a guardian of the person and a guardian of the property. So yes, they they do that to make things very confusing for everyone else, including attorneys, as we have to keep track of who was called what in what jurisdiction. Got it. Um, Are we making too much of this Britney Spears case? I mean, is there something to learn from the case that that all of us should be aware of? Or is, is this just a case that maybe we're just paying too much attention to simply because she's Britney Spears? Um, how about both? Yes okay. to both. Okay. Um, the one thing I, I'll say about having somebody who's a celebrity is, of course, celebrities, are they're just like the rest of us, right? They put sure. their pants on one leg at a time. But because they're in the public view, it gives a nice illustration as to how things can either go well or how things can go horribly wrong. And in Britney Spears' case, there's, there's still a lot that I don't know, right? I don't have access to a lot of the information that was presented to the court, and, and nor should I. Most of it is, is, pub, is, is not public information. It's private information. But it does illustrate some of the abuses that we typically see. Um, it, I kind of joke that I, I didn't go into law to become a civil rights attorney, and yet I find myself more and more defending people with disabilities and their civil rights. And again, people like Britney Spears um, and, and some of the challenges that she's, ha- she's had, um, we see this in other jurisdictions. And I think it's helped people, it, shine li- it has shine, helped shine a light on, on real issues. Um, the issue of um, forced medication. She says she was forced to take psych- a psychiatric medication, even though it made her feel very ill and she didn't want to take it. She claims that she was forced to continue birth control, even though she didn't want it. This is actually a common practice in many states. Mm-hmm. Should somebody have the right to have bear children is a fundamental right. Mm-hmm. Um, the right to refuse medical care is a fundamental right. So why does somebody, simply because they have a mental illness or other disability, why should their rights be infringed? Right. And so it, it it is a great illustration and one that I think a lot of people relate to. But is her tragedy any worse than anyone else in her situation? No, no, it's not. It's just as horrible for everyone. But she just happens to have a better platform. Um, the other person that I, I've used a lot as an illustration is Casey Kasem, mm. whose unfortunate litigation and his since and his passing really raised some of the issues of what happens in family disputes and why it is so important to make your wishes known prior to death. And again, some of the abuses that 
um, in this case, the challenges that the um, the agents into the power of attorney, which were his children, as well as his conservator, who was his children, um, and some of the challenges they faced in trying to enforce their authority uh, against his wife, who who very much resisted, very much resisted the guardianship, uh, the conservatorship, um, and again listening to some of the information out there that suggested that she was perhaps financially exploiting her husband as well and didn't want uh, didn't want that to come to light. Right. But again, nothing new. I see this a lot, um, but it's just a good platform for these issues. Um, another third one, Mickey Rooney. People don't realize Mickey Rooney was being financially exploited and he died destitute thanks to his, I want to say it's his son-in-law or a nephew, it was an in-law to his family who ended up stepping in and completely taking over him. Mm. Um, he was not under a guardianship at the time, but he was financial. Again, the financial exploitation was extreme. Um, and he couldn't, because he did have dementia, when he would ask for an attorney, no one would listen. Mm. And ultimately they were able to get an attorney in. I believe whoever the exploiter was did some, did some uh, prison time. But the reality is once they're financially, once they get uh, an exploiter gets hold of your money, it's gone. Right. There's, there's no recovery. So again, no worse than anyone else that I've seen, just a more public venue. Folks, we're here chatting with uh, Diane Weinberg. Diane is uh, uh, an attorney with Weinberg Elder Law. Diane, I want to switch gears here just a minute, and we'll dig in more on these topics in just a minute. But uh, tell us a little bit about you and your journey and why um, I'm always interested for attorneys as to why you pick this particular area of the law out of all the different uh, disciplines you could have gone into. Um, by accident. Okay. <laughs> really is, is what happened. I came out of, I came out of law school doing employee benefits work. Mm. Um, I actually was a paralegal though, prior to going to law school and found myself back in litigation of all crazy things. I was a railroad litigator. Oh, and, really? And that was a lot of fun. Wow. Um, my husband was supposed to move across country. He'd accepted a job across country. And I, of course, we were going with him. And that would have meant I was an unemployed railroad attorney in a different part of the country. Railroad litigation is is very specific for a whole host of reasons. It's very specific as to where you're going to see the lawsuits filed and the litigation um, being uh, being heard. So I said, okay, what do I want to do when I grow up? Because clearly this is not going to continue. Um, and then his company, my husband's company, didn't move. So I was still here in Atlanta going, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I had the wonderful fortune, I'm going to give a, a wonderful shout out here to Ira Leff, who is one of the OG, I think is the term, of elder law attorneys. He's one of the original attorneys mm. practicing in this field in Georgia. And uh, I had the privilege of speaking with him um, and of sitting in on one of his client meetings. And then uh, I remember driving back up to my house and saying, this is what I want to be when I grow up. Wow. And as time went by, I started out doing public benefits planning. Um, and as time went by, where I really saw this need was in the litigation field. I still enjoy litigation. Um, I know it's probably an illness. There's probably some kind of psychiatrist <laughs> that specializes in curing attorneys who like litigation. Um, but I so, – so this is kind of where I ended up. And I, I went out on my own. I've been practicing in elder law for 15 years plus. Um, but when I started my own firm last September, I decided that this is going to be the focus of my practice. And it's been a, a great year and, and so many months. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you're a solopreneur or you, you've got people that work with you. Tell us about your firm. Sure. It's, I've been primarily a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. I do have one assistant, okay. uh, Cheryl, who is absolutely amazing. Um, and then I'm very excited. We just brought in, we just brought in a part-time associate, awesome. um, Mega Patel, who is a brand new attorney, still waiting for her to get her sworn in. Um, because the good and the bad news is there's a lot of work out there. Um, like I said, I think I imagine sometimes it's like being an oncologist and finding out your business is, is super busy. Mm. Is that really a, you know, right. it's great that business is busy, but that also means there's a lot of people suffering that need your work. Um, and so the good and the bad news is business has been very busy. Um, but I have the most amazing clients. We love working in the probate courts in Georgia. It's just a very, it's a very friendly bar, a very professional bar. If I'm, there's another attorney and this attorney and I are on opposite sides of the case. We sit down and we're trying to figure out what's best for the ward. We're looking at the ward's best interest. It's not a zero sum game, which is a typical litigation, right? There's a contract right. that's breached. There's a winner. There's a loser. Mm-hmm. Probate litigation, in particularly guardianship and conservatorship, focuses on what's in the best interest of that person who's before the court. It's a very different feel. It's extremely rewarding. And like I said, just I cannot speak highly enough about the professionalism of the probate bar and uh, how people are really willing to work together. We'll, we'll go at it professionally, but we're really willing to work together to come up with the best answer. Um, and and it's just a pleasure to be doing this type of work. Well, congratulations on your success so far. You must be doing something right. Well, thank you. By, by half of your clients uh, to have the success you've had so far. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um yeah, so so um I mean your the name of your firm is Elder Law, but just to be clear, I mean we we're talking about Britney Spears. She's obviously not um taking her social security yet. Uh so you you your practice involves uh not just those that are elderly and might have dementia, Alzheimer's um issues, uh let's say for example, but anyone that may need some sort of we'll call it out my layman's term special care you know it really elder law is the field that came into 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 existence about 40 50 years ago maybe mm-hmm. um because people as what what was going on is grandma and grandpa were getting older and there were lots of folks who were attorneys who were trying to figure out how to help grandma and grandpa get into a nursing home and pay for it and so this field again arose I guess organically is the term. It wasn't pe- people didn't go to law school to learn how to do public benefits planning. Um, the, they ended up having to do it out of necessity. Mm. And as the field grew, there was a recognition that a lot of the people who qualified and who needed these long-term care services were not elderly. They were they developed a disability during their lifetime. They had developmental or intellectual disabilities at birth. They became ill. They suffered a, a tragic car accident, a traumatic brain injury. There's all kinds of reasons that people need this practice. The name elder law has, stu- has stuck, though. Mm-hmm. Another term is typically used for somebody under the age of 65 is special needs planning. Mm-hmm. Really what they need is a long, it really should be called long-term care planning law because that's really what it is. We're looking how to either finance or provide the best legal care we can for individuals um, who who require assistance with some aspect of their long-term care. So do you work with, um, and I would imagine the, 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 I guess the big example of this that comes to mind for me would be 
uh, older parents, child with a uh, some sort of uh, developmental or um, or a particularly debilitating illness where they were requiring continual care. Parents are worried about what happens to that child, that now adult child, after they're gone. I would imagine that's a fairly common yeah. uh, case for you. Well, yes and no. Okay. Because, yes, we can do, again, because at this point I'm doing the litigation side of things. Okay. Um, yeah. If there was a guardianship or a need for something of that nature that involved court involvement, that's where I would get involved. Got it. But an elder law attorney absolutely is who you want to see because you're going to have to do, you have to do essentially planning for yourself. You need to plan in case your child requires public benefits. Mm-hmm. Housing is a huge issue. There's just not mm-hmm. a lot of options available for individuals with disabilities. And so finding, making those those long-term care decisions of what happens if I passed away yesterday where is my child going to live? Who is going to oversee my child's care? It's it's a lot of work. So absolutely. Um, and, you know, sometimes I would see, again, I've I done the planning. I still can do the planning. If I've got a guardianship where there's minimal planning involved, I'll just go ahead and do it. If there's something fairly complicated, I'm going to send it out and work with that other attorney um, so that we can make sure that everyone's, you know, that was just a business decision that I made. Mm-hmm. Um but um, I would get a lot of people who would come in with parents with dementia and a disabled adult child that had been living with the parents all of their life. And the kids are coming in not understanding what's going on because mom and dad never really told them the, about all the care this sibling required. Mm-hmm. And so those create some really interesting uh, you know, family dynamics. You know, the adult child that's coming in to see me is very frustrated with his sibling because his sibling has never worked a day in his life and mm-hmm. he's mooching off mom and dad. And then you get into it, you do a little research and you figure out, no, this kid cannot function independently. There's an intellectual disability, a mental illness. There's something that it's a failure to launch, but with good reason. <laughs> right, right. And so, um, and so you're advising the family, you know, the, the adult child, how to deal with both mom and dad and their challenges, as well as get the sibling set up uh, in a way to provide for the sibling's long-term care. These are very complicated situations. They should not, I mean, I cannot recommend enough, strongly enough, that families seeking this, finding themselves in this situation, find a good elder law attorney, a good special needs planning attorney, to help them through it. Uh, public benefits law is so complicated. Um, there's actually a wonderful quote. I want to say it was a judge in the Eastern District of, of New York who made a comment about these laws that um, they are an assault to the English language. <laughs> they, they don't work together. Mm-hmm. They uh, contradict each other. And there's rarely, there's no magic bullet. And you're sitting down and talking about very small numbers. Sometimes it can be, you know, $20, $10, very small amounts of money that can change the benefits that somebody is entitled to receive. And there, and there's a lot of moving parts. So I, I just encourage anyone who's dealing with these issues to please consult an elder law attorney and get a sense of what those issues are and how everything works together because it's really um, – People who get into the elder law field do so because there's really a calling to it, mm-hmm. and they're really there to help people. They're not. Right. You, 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 if somebody, you don't get rich practicing public benefits law. 
by by nature of the practice. Right, right. <laughs> we're working with people who who tend to have very small incomes, and and but they still don't qualify for those very necessary benefits. Um, so again, uh, there are a number of different organizations. One is the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. I encourage people seek referrals there. Your local bar association will have an elder law section. Um, another section is the Academy of Special Needs Planners also has attorneys, again, who focus on that area. We're not allowed to specialize in Georgia. We can only focus. Mm. So that's the state bar rules. So we can focus on um, who focus on special needs planning. And mm. so definitely start out with those resources and see if you can find somebody to get that consultation. Got it. Uh, Diane Weinberg, folks. And Diane uh, has her own firm, Weinberg Elder Law. And just to be clear, you're, you do litigation only. I do the litigation. Okay, got but it. I will tell you, let me give you another example how yeah. these play together. Sure. So we have somebody who needs a guardianship, but we want to do Medicaid planning. You actually have to get court permission. So in fact, I have a hearing tomorrow where that's exactly what we're doing. We're obtaining a guardianship, but we need to do planning for Medicaid planning for, for the people who are subject of the guardianship. So I'm working with the attorney and we're going to bring it to the court because I know how to do the planning and I do do the planning. Um, I'm able to explain to the court and to other people involved in the in this matter how how what we are trying to accomplish and how it's going to benefit the ward um, and and get the court's approval for this. So you can see there's all these parts and they all work together and it's really important to have that understanding where these pieces intersect and um, who needs to get approval of these various planning techniques and uh, how to accomplish your goals so that you can again provide for this person who is unable to meet all of their own needs. Um, one question I want to ask you is, is a, a fairly straightforward question that a lot of our business owner listeners may be thinking about right now as we talk about some of these things is um, what happens if you own a business and you are incapacitated in some way, what happens with that business and, and that ongoing concern that you you're running? You must must, cannot stress it again enough, have a business succession plan in place. Um, I have seen people, uh, I have had cases where we had somebody with an incapacity and people were walking into the assisted living with this person with dementia and having them sign off on documents. Mm. This was bad. This was not the ideal situation. <laughs> right. Now, I don't know, for all we know, um, because I don't know enough about what was being being addressed at that time, it could have been perfectly fine. These people could very well have been taking care of their business partner. But you must have a business succession plan in place so that you know that the people that you have take you have assigned somebody to act on your behalf. The other thing that's super, super important, and, and this is probably one of the biggest challenges we have, is that you must have a good person appointed to represent you. I have seen far too many cases where somebody appoints their adult child, their oldest adult child, their only male. Um, they appoint this child because he's going to be a troublemaker, and if we don't appoint appoint him to serve as act on my behalf, then he's going to be angry. Let me tell you, let that kid be angry mm. because it's going to go horribly wrong if you have that person step in. Right. It's it's so important to set this out, um, and you might step on a few toes, but ultimately. You don't want to find yourself destitute because somebody has taken advantage of you and run off with all your money or somebody has driven your business into the ground. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the kind of the, car, the hard facts that we deal with them. So picking that right person to be your fiduciary is so important 
And if you don't have a family member that you trust, and sometimes we don't, we have, I've, you know, seen, had clients come in, they say, I love my kids, but I don't want them touching my money. You know, one has an addiction, one has a gambling problem, and the third has a hole in their pocket. Um, so, <laughs> you know, they, they can't keep a dime. So there are increasingly third parties that will serve on your behalf. So please consider those options as well. They will be bonded and they are are licensed and they are, well, I can't say they're licensed in all states, but they are certainly going to be bonded. And uh, that way, if there is some kind of fiduciary breach, you and your company won't suffer because they'll be able to collect against the bond. Just as an aside, you mentioned the difference in state laws. Do you work here in Georgia exclusively or in other states? No, I work in Georgia exclusively. Okay. Okay, just for people listening, um, for for them to know that fact. Um, so uh, let's talk about trust and conservatorship mm-hmm. and explain the difference there, because I'm sure some folks have heard that term, a trust, right. and think that may be the same thing. No, they are not, and that's an excellent question. A trust is not the same. A trust is a document that... A trust is a vessel. Let me let me explain it that way. So, if you were here, you would see that I have a two. I'm holding two things in my hand. You will see that I am holding a coffee cup with pens, mm-hmm. and I am holding a coffee cup with a lid, um, which has my coffee. So, um, you, I will tell you that both of these are trusts. Somebody puts something in the trust, and it is for the benefit of a, of somebody. All right, a trust is merely a vessel used to hold something for somebody else. So in this case, it's coffee, all right? Um, the trust could be, in this case, my husband made the coffee, so he is what we call the trustor or the settlor, sometimes called the grantor. I don't want to get too technical, but I am managing the trust, so I am the trustee, and I am also the beneficiary of the trust because I get to drink it. Mm. But you can see these trusts can hold all kinds of things. This, one, this trust, the open coffee cup, um, holds pens. This one holds coffee. Um, they can hold jewelry, they can hold documents, they can hold intellectual property if you have a copyright. And and the shape of the trust is dictated by the document. So that this trust with pens, right, the open coffee cup, I can take the pens out, I can put something else in. And this trust that is my Contigo uh, brand coffee cup with the, the, the tight lid, mm-hmm. um, I can take stuff out of the trust and put other stuff in, but I have to take off the lid. In other words, there's a process to it. So that's a guardianship. That's a trust. A conservatorship, by contrast, removes your rights. All right. So sometimes we have cases where we'll have both a trust and a conservatorship. So, for example, somebody might do a revocable trust during their life. Trusts are often used as part of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different ways we can leave our assets to people once we die. And we can leave it by will, and we can leave it by trust. It's just another way of doing that. And I don't want to get off too much on a tangent here. Um, But there are things that don't fit nicely into trust. Retirement accounts are one of those things that don't fit nicely into a trust. So if you have somebody who created a trust during their lifetime, and they they have retirement accounts, we may be able to avoid a conservatorship in Georgia with respect to the trust assets, but we still need a conservator to manage those retirement assets. Mm. So does that explain yeah. the difference that, you know, again, one is a document where it creates a vessel to hold something and the other is a removal of your fundamental rights. Now, again, sometimes the trust can, pr- we don't need a conservatorship, 
but sometimes it can only it's it's not going to be the only thing that we can use, and we find ourselves under the conservatorship anyway. Makes sense. Uh, an, another business related question: uh, um, Let's say I own a business. I've got a family member with a disability, whether that's adult child or some other family member. Can I put them on the payroll to make them eligible for benefits? I have seen that done, and there is good and there is bad with that. And I would usually work with a special needs planning attorney with that. Um, Because certainly we can get them somebody some really nice benefits if they're on the family payroll. Um, Of course, there's the question of what does this do from an employment standpoint? Are you somehow misleading you know, in violation of a labor law or an employment law? And that I can't answer for you because that's well beyond the scope of what I'm um, of what I do. But again, it's something to think about. But sometimes that additional money um, actually can keep somebody from getting public benefits. And there are times when we do want access to those benefits because there may be a program uh, and, and there used to be a program in Georgia, and I'm trying to remember whether it was for people with Down syndrome or autism. But you could only, it was an excellent program, but you could only get there if you were on public benefits. Mm. So that's where working with your special needs planning attorney is going to make sense um, because you want to make sure that you're not disqualifying your loved one from something that would benefit them. Um, Also from a guardianship perspective or a conservatorship perspective, you are required to be bonded for somebody's income. So if that person's got a $60,000 a year income Now, your bond requirements go up for $60,000. And by the way, that's the bond requirement for the income that your company is paying to keep this person on the payroll. Mm. So again, a lot of moving parts. Um, Don't don't do this on your own. Please talk to a professional to determine the benefits and the downside of doing this type of planning. Right. Now, that makes perfect sense. Um, So... You said you're you're involved exclusively, more or less exclusively in litigation. Um, talk about the remedies to, I guess, the, the the ways to avoid going to court to try to resolve the issue. Do, is there some sort of mechanism for that in elder law or not? Or are you pretty much stuck going to court to make any changes? Well, it... Um I hate to say it depends. Don't I sound? Uh, that's what we all say as attorneys. But it all it is so true. Yeah. It is so true. You know, we talked about trust. If we can put somebody's assets in a trust, and then upon that person's disability, have a third party take over as trustee, that is a great way to secure somebody's finances. Mm-hmm. Totally recommend that. Um, a power of attorney for finances. Again, if somebody has a disability or they become cognitively disabled in Georgia, our powers of our financial powers of attorney survive disability so that if my if I have a terrible car accident and um, can no longer function on my own my husband who is my agent can act on my behalf and can continue financial transactions and that should keep me should keep me out of conservatorship likewise if um, I as I age, if my children are my agents under a, uh, for a healthcare power of attorney called an advanced directive in Georgia, um, then they can make medical decisions on my behalf. And as long as I'm compliant with my kids and if I'm no longer can stay at home and I don't fight them on moving out, then, then that's fine. We shouldn't need court involvement. And this happens all the time. Sure. Um, but the advanced directive, as, as I said, 
can't force me into an assisted living if I don't want to go or a nursing home if I don't want to go. Um, the financial power of attorney, um, oh, by the way, I can also revoke an advanced directive for health care. Remember I said our, our right to refuse care is a fundamental right. Right. So certainly in Georgia, even if I don't have capacity and I get hacked off with my children, I can rip up my power, my advanced directive for health care, and then I have no one making medical decisions on my behalf. Well, the, the, Georgia has a statutory lineup so that somebody would, but you, you see the problem yeah. that we encounter. Sure. And so um, dementia is just a gift that keeps on giving, and I don't care how well you've planned. If you have dementia, it will sink, um, it will sink the best of your plans. And unfortunately, that's when we end up in court, even though you have done absolutely everything that you are supposed to do. Um, dementia just has its unique gift of, of undermining all of your efforts. Mm. Uh, so I guess that's where you need to be kept on speed dial for folks out there. <laughs> that's when I come uh, in. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Diane, as we kind of draw things to a close, I, I would love to keep chat chatting, uh, with you cause so very interesting, but talk talk uh, maybe about a success story. Uh, you know, a particular case you've worked on that you're particularly proud of. You don't have to mention names, of course, but uh, um, a case that illustrates the great work you do. Thank you. Actually, so I have a case where somebody was flown. Dad was flown to Alaska by somebody who purported to be his girlfriend, but really was just exploiting him financially, exploiting him. And she always wanted to go to Alaska. So she took him to Alaska and he paid for it. And then she dumped him and he was found in, in Alaska, in Alaska. Wow. And he was found in a homeless shelter and no one is sure how he made it to that homeless shelter because by all rights, he should, there, there was, uh, there were a lot of different waterways and by all rights, he should have walked into a waterway and drowned. Mm. Um, so he made it to the homeless shelter. Somehow his children were able to find him. We were able to get him back. Um, we filed for emergency guardianship and conservatorship, gained control of his assets, got rid of the the girlfriend, whatever their relationship was, um, the the exploiter. We were able to file temporary protective orders against her, and now he and uh, and now he's living comfortably with his children, who are taking care of him, taking care of his medical and financial needs, and she is not um, and she is not privy to his checkbook anymore. Mm. And uh, so that's a great one of my great cases. Yeah. Wow. What important work you do, Diane. Uh, uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the great work you do. And uh, but let's get to the most important question, which is how folks that want to be in touch with you and uh, have a need for your services, how they can uh, connect with you. Absolutely. You can always reach out to my website at WeinbergElderLaw.com. Um, my assistant, Cheryl, is uh is the person you need to reach because she is the person who tracks me down and keeps my calendar. Go uh, Cheryl. Yes, go Cheryl. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually having a little chip installed behind her ear tomorrow so that I can find her. Gotcha. Um, but our phone number is 404-969-5648 or email uh, at Cheryl at Weinberg Elder Law or Diane at Weinberg Elder Law. And uh, we are always happy to help. And if we're not the right person, we actually do have a policy that we're going to get you to the right person. So I don't leave anyone hanging. Everyone is going to get the help they, they need. Terrific work. Diane Weinberg, Weinberg Elder Law. Diane, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Hey, folks, just a uh, quick reminder. Uh, if you are looking for some 
help. And we're, you know, as we do this show, we've got the Thanksgiving holiday coming up here pretty quickly. Uh, if you're looking for some help for your Thanksgiving table and you would like to impress the family, um, ANS Culinary Concepts can help with that. Uh, they've got an entire 2021 Thanksgiving family menu, uh, and uh, they've got, you know, a uh, brined and roasted turkey, smoked turkey, smoked on the big green egg, by the way, uh, all sorts of salads and side dishes. It's just awesome. If you are listening to this show after the Thanksgiving holiday, though, don't worry. They've got all sorts of um, selections all year long uh, that uh, you'll be glad you uh, took advantage of. Uh, I've been out there several times, and they do all sorts of great work. Catering, they do team building. Um, they do big green egg boot camps. Uh, so my suggestion is go to asculinaryconcepts.com, get familiar with what they have to offer, and uh, give them a call. Andrew Traub and his team out there do great work. Uh, 678-336-9196 is the uh, phone number uh, for their culinary studio there in Johns Creek. And folks, just a quick reminder, uh, North Fulton Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. We'd love it if you would subscribe to the show and um, uh, send us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Ray at businessradiox.com is my email address uh, if uh, you have any comments on the show. But we, would appreciate, we appreciate your support here. We're on show number 410, something like that, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without your support. So we appreciate that. So for my guest, Diane Weinberg, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.